Abstract Athlete Podcast, a collision of art, sports, and science. You've got whiskey on your breath, but so do I. And a mystery that no one can deny. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Abstract Athlete Podcast. As always, thank you to our listeners, our sponsors. Remember, if you have any questions or comments, please send it to info at theabstractathlete.com. Do not forget to listen to our new podcast on the Abstract Athlete Network, the Abstract Doctors Podcast with Dr. G and Dr. C. And you can follow us on social media under the Abstract Doctors or check us out at theabstractdoctors.com. Also, One Man's Ethos, the Tony Mandridge Podcast. Follow us at onemansethos.com or on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at One Man's Ethos. You can also follow Tony at Tony Mandrich on Instagram, and you can check out his amazing photographs at TonyMandrich.com. Stop by our website, theabstractathlete.com, for information on subscription boxes and on upcoming events and workshops. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Really excited to chat with a couple musicians for the band Common Ground, and they actually have a new album out called Wayward, which is available on iTunes, and I highly recommend it. Um, but these these two were actually both former goaltenders for Princeton University. Darcy Hargaden, who is the violinist for Common Ground, was a former goaltender for the women's soccer team, and Christina Maida, who is the lead vocalist, and was the former goaltender for the 2012 National Championship women's field hockey team. We're gonna chat about their athletic past and their current success with their band Common Ground. Also going to talk about their goals, their inspirations and future plans. Make sure to check them out on Instagram. Darcy Darcy can be found at DarcyHargadon29, that's D-A-R-C-Y-H-A-R-G-A-D-O-N-2-9. And Christina can be found at C-M-A-I-D-A. C-M-A-I-D-A. Let's welcome Darcy and Christina. Happy Saturday. Yep, I've already got my workout in. I'm already done for the day, so. <laughs> You're ahead of me. Right. <laughs> are you, hey. Are you both, howdy. Are you both in New York? Yeah. Okay. I thought actually you're going to be on the same, the same uh, camera, but this is cool. So. Oh, we could if, if you want to reschedule. Oh, God, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Let me get this talk a little bit i want to get the talk hello yeah my name is darcy (laughs) i'm in financial district right now (laughs) that sounds very serious so um well we're rolling we're rolling so um thank you guys for doing this uh you know like as i said i think to christine do you want me to call you Meta? by the way whatever You're like, well, I don't give a shit. It's Saturday morning. Yeah, it, when I played sports, everybody called me Maida, and I have okay. a few friends who still do, but okay. most people in my now 28-year-old life call me Christina. Okay. <laughs> I'll try to remember to call you Christina then. But, I, you know, I just want to say thank you both for doing this because when, when Kristen, you know, put us in touch, Christina, I thought, you know, like, what a perfect, again, 
space because you guys have done and are continuing to kind of do what we're kind of promote and bring to light is like the importance of both having a creative practice, um, which is music for you guys. Although, you know, you might also do art, art stuff as well. I'm not really sure. Um, but you're also like, you know, former college athletes, um, both of which were goaltenders, but for different sports, which I think is cool. Mm -hmm. Did you, were you on the team, Christina, that won the national championship? I was. Okay. I couldn't find, I couldn't find, I was like searching. So I was like, was she on that team? That's pretty (laughs) badass, Right. Yeah. That had to be like pretty, pretty epic. So, I mean, this is kind of, you know, really, it's truly a platform for you guys. Um, I know you guys are super busy. So again, I really appreciate you guys doing this. But, you know, like to kind of just talk about, you know, like being a student athlete um, and how you got into the band. Um, were you doing that while you were in school? Uh, I, you know, I encourage everybody to go pick up your CD because it is really, really great. Um so congratulations. I don't know when, when you, Thank that you. Out, but, um, but like how, you know, like how that kind of evolved, um, like what are the future plans? You're both in school. Correct. Yep. So like, again, yep. like I understand this. I used to, I, when I was an undergrad at Ohio state, I was full-time student, worked two part-time jobs and was in a band that toured or traveled. And so like, you know, your head explodes because you're so busy, but at the end of the day, no pun intended with, uh, that was a good, that was a good, uh, little, Oh, Hey, you're welcome. welcome. I was going to start singing it actually. So, um, but (laughs) you know, like the, the, the music scene, um, or being able to do that is, you know, such a release, which also kind of has to be kind of a bummer right now because the playing out part obviously is not happening. Are you doing any virtual shows or anything no you know darcy and i during the like real heat of the pandemic in new york um got together a couple times and did a live stream on instagram sort of six feet apart uh just played some covers and stuff but um you know in new york and everywhere in in the country and parts of the world it looks like it's going to be a long time for live music which is unfortunate yeah yeah yeah. it's a a total bummer because that's like one of the biggest things that i miss is actually going just randomly to see somebody play. Yeah. So, we had all these tickets yeah. to different, different shows and festivals that got canceled. And the, like, that's one of the things that every now and then I'm like, shoot, you know, I really miss live music. Yeah. Did you, have you guys played any festivals? No, no. Okay. Where do you, where do you play around? You play around New York, obviously, but where's like some of the clubs. We played played at a few different um, clubs like in lower Manhattan. So we started actually our very first ever show was not at a music club. It was at a random bar in the Upper East Side called Mad River. Uh, But from there, we played a couple shows at this place called The Bitter End, which is um, pretty famous from back in right right in the heart of the village. Yeah, my band actually played at CBGB's multiple times, if you even know what that is. That's like probably before your time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I don't know. But yeah, so we started off kind of playing a couple of shows at the bitter end. And then from there, we moved into a couple of different venues like Arlene's Grocery, Rockwood Music Hall. And then um, for our record release show, we sold out Mercury Lounge. Nice. Um, and then we, after that, 
Like last summer, we played a show at Bowery Ballroom, which was absolutely the biggest deal for us. Right. That's like a, an actual real music venue that it's a lot of people. So well, Bitter Ends is, I mean, that's historical. And, and so is the Mercury Lounge. Like both those clubs are like, you know, people know what those are. Yeah, yeah we're definitely both important. Some of our yeah. favorite artists play there. So yeah. it was definitely an honor. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so like, why don't, like, why don't you guys, I mean, we can, uh, you know, again, this is kind of your platform and, you know, we can meander about, but like, you know, how did, how did you get into sports? How did you get into music? Were you always growing up? Were you guys both doing both things like, you know, musically and, and athletically? Cause that's like, that's always the thing that I find interesting because I think most, I, I will say this, like all people are creative. I just think most people stop, um, which is kind of the thing we're trying to eliminate. We're trying to just get people to be creative um, because it's good for our mental wellness and, and all that stuff. But I mean, it sounds like you guys were really kind of doing both your entire time growing up because you can't just jump into a band and go, like, Ta-da, I'm a singer and I'm, a, you know, so go for it. Whoever wants to start. <laughs> Um, yeah. So yeah, for my entire life, literally, it's kind of funny. I talk about it now because it continues to persist, but I feel like my entire life has been split up between soccer on one hand and music on the other hand. They've always been my two main hobbies, passions, things that I'm doing. Um, I probably started both around the same time. I started violin when I was four. I started playing soccer more seriously, probably when I was around like five or six, not seriously, but starting to learn the game. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was always a naturally athletic kid, so I just fell into sports pretty naturally. Um, and I specialized in soccer pretty early. I, my parents were just the type of people that were very driven and they wanted to like help me be the best at something. Right. So like from the time I was even like fourth, fifth grade, I was starting to play on the really competitive clubs and knew that I wanted to like play college soccer. That was always the goal. So soccer was always kind of like my number one thing with the end goal in mind. But um, on the other hand, music, I started classical violin when I was age four. It was a pretty typical story. I would say, you know, I was playing classical. It was something that I did because my mom wanted me to start violin and I had a private teacher. And for many of those early years, it was essentially the story of my mom had to force me to practice every day. Like it was something I did because it was an activity I did and I liked it, but you know, it was a battle every single day, her having to literally force me to practice through tears, et cetera, all that (laughs) stuff. Um, But since I started so early, I was really lucky that, you know, I picked up these musical skills from an extremely young age that kind of just like embedded themselves. And I think it's almost like learning a language. Like you can learn music at any time of your life, but if you learn it when you're that young and still have like a molding brain, it just kind of clicks with you in a way that it doesn't for other people who are learning it older. Um, But yeah, so I, I played classical. I was in you know, violin is a very competitive instrument in the classical world. There were a lot of really good players around me. I was good too. Like, you know, played in orchestras were always competing for first chair in the orchestra and the state orchestras and stuff like that. Um, But I just got to, when I was in late middle school, I'd got to a point where I just started being really, really burned out with it. 
Um, I just, I was tired of the battle every day. I was playing soccer really seriously. That had kind of become my number one thing. And I just, I was burned out. There's no better way to put it. Um, I was tired of the battle. And so I just had a discussion with my mom and I was like, look, I really like playing violin mostly for the social aspect. Like I love playing in groups. I love playing in orchestra and making friends that way, but I'm kind of tired of this battle every day for me to practice on like for my individual recitals, which I don't care as much about. Um, and so we just decided, Hey, like, okay, maybe we'll pull back a little bit and I can stop kind of my solo career and I can just keep playing, um, in more social situations. And I was going to chamber music camp at Oberlin that summer. And so we just kind of had the plan. Okay let's go to this chamber music camp and then we'll come back and figure out what you want to do going forward. And so I went to camp and um, I was playing violin in a quartet in a quartet. It was um, Dvorak's American quartet. And it actually, the very first movement of the quartet opens with a beautiful viola solo. And I just had this like striking moment of clarity where I was just like, wow, I want that solo. I should switch to viola. And it was kind of cool because it was like, I was still only in eighth grade. I had this idea completely by myself. Like <laughs> no one else right. um, told me what to do, but I, I came back from that camp and I just told my mom and my teacher who also taught viola that I just wanted to switch to viola. Um, and everyone was kind of confused where it came from, but they were really supportive. And then from that moment, it, I kind of just like was able to change the narrative and like music was like about what I wanted to do as opposed to what other people were telling me to do. And it was good for me because viola was so much less competitive than violin. I was able to just kind of like do my own thing. And from then on, like through the rest of high school, I always really, really enjoyed playing. And I actually like wanted to practice on my own and I wanted to do well in competitions and stuff like that. And yeah, so that's kind of my story. And then kind of on the side of it um, with classical music, I also from an early age had a passion for like folk and country and all those kind of like traditional roots music through listening to music with my dad. And I started to um, learn guitar from him just teaching me and like playing on my own. So kind of as I was learning to love music from a classical perspective, I was also like really developing a passion for like those types of music that I ended up like playing in the band with Christina. I just have to say I've known Darcy for like eight years and I've never heard that viola story and I'm <laughs> loving it. Um, that's See, so cool. the podcast is a success <laughs> <Yes>. already. <laughs> um, yeah, I have, I think probably a different sort of experience growing up with music. My parents had myself and my younger sister play piano from a young age, take lessons like in the morning before school. Um, and that was a great experience just to kind of get a foundation. I think I, you know, I probably stopped playing piano, taking lessons at maybe 10 or 11 and didn't really pick up anything musically until middle school when I joined choir. Um, and I was, I had horrible stage fright, like afraid of my own shadow. My choir teacher had to drag me into audition for solos. It was sort of nightmarish for me. Uh, like I used to audition for musicals and literally choke. Like I could not make a sound come out of my face because I was so nervous. Um, I'm past that obviously, but um, (laughs) so yeah, I had sort of a coming of age where I, there was this actually, this is like the dawn of YouTube. Um, This artist who's still playing, I saw her at Rockwood a few few months ago or a few months before the pandemic, I should say. 
um, Julia Nunes, who used to do covers on ukulele. And I thought, you know, that's looks like an easy enough instrument that I could learn. So I had my parents buy me a ukulele at like Guitar, guitar Center, uh, Sam Ash, one of those big places. I like, remember the day I got it. Um, and I learned how to play ukulele from YouTube. And then soon enough, you know, my brother had played guitar for a long time, but he was too cool for me. So he wouldn't <laughs> teach me. So I had to teach myself. Um, so eventually, you know, the, the finger shapes you make on the ukulele sort of translate to guitar. So I would play in like talent shows and at coffee houses with some friends. We'd harmonize and things like that. So I was really into the choir scene. Um, and that sort of, you know, brought me out of my shell, I would say. Um, and then when I started picking up guitar, um, I, I joined a band actually my junior and senior year of high school with some some guys from a different high school who were doing like sort of like a rockish, paramore-ish thing. So I, I fit right in and it was a lot of fun. We put out an EP, uh, which my dad still plays, you know, while he mows the lawn, which is hilarious. Um, it was called Sepia. It was, <laughs> shout out to my, my Dollstown boys. Um, uh, you know, so that was sort of just my musical thing. And it was really just a hobby. I had no ambition of doing anything with it uh, in college. Um, I grew up playing field hockey, so the tri-state area is huge for field hockey, um, really sort of tight-knit community. I played with the same girls my whole life, um, starting at age like four or five. One of my friend's mothers played in college back in like, I guess the 80s, 90s. And so she kind of introduced us to the sport and was big in getting it into the community. Um, and I didn't become a goalie until I think seventh grade at, at my middle school team. Needed a goalie and it worked out for me because I, to this day, hate running. Uh, so, <laughs> and I have great reflexes. So it worked out great. Um, and I, you know, started taking it seriously when a few of my friends started joining club teams and, you know, traveling to tournaments and things like that. And um, I ended up doing that. And that, you know, takes up your, your whole weekend. You stay over your, your teammates' houses and then you wake up at 6 a.m. You go to your tournaments. Um, so music wasn't really a thing that I was focusing on besides um, as a hobby, you know, all like the district choir tryouts and things were on the weekends and I couldn't really commit to any of that stuff. So it was really just for fun. And like Darcy said, the social aspect of it, I made some of my closest friends, um, you know, singing in choirs. So, um, you know, when I went to Princeton for field hockey, I had no plans to sing at all, except that there was a tradition where the goalie for several years prior had sung the national anthem at, at every game. So I ended up doing that uh, before each game. And that, my, is my that, is that continued? That's kind of a weird tradition. It didn't continue okay. after me. So I'm not sure if I just set the bar so high or if everyone was like, <laughs> that's hey, what you got to say. Was yes, weird. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, but you know, and then I actually ended up doing it for lacrosse games and for some football games, like they would just, you know, it was like a on-campus job almost. Um, which was fun. And I had some friends who were in the acapella groups and I was too uh, chicken shit for lack of a better word to audition. And I also didn't have the free time. So I didn't do anything with music really in college at all. Um, and I mean, it's hard. Moved- it's hard. Like that's, th- yeah. I think that's, that's the, the thing that a lot of people don't understand that don't do it. Being a student athlete is you wake up in the morning and your day is built. I mean, yep. you know, you, you go lift, you have practice, you have study table, you eat lunch, you go, you know, like, and then your day's over. And, yeah. and so it's, it's, it's hard to put that creative element within the structure of that system. And yeah. 
Sorry, go ahead. And interestingly, like in terms of creativity, Darcy and I actually sort of met more seriously and maybe started having an actual relationship outside of just sports and seeing each other um, on campus. Uh, we both took some film classes at Princeton and I helped her out with, I think it was your junior film or something like that. I, took, um, like I only took intro or... to film. Okay. Yeah, so I so... only took one class, but I knew that Mato was involved in the, that is funny that I call you Mato when I think back to college yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> because she was Mato back in college, but now she's Christina. Um, but she was like I knew her as a film person and I needed help because I wanted to star in my own video so I needed someone to shoot it so I asked <laughs> her to shoot it for me and that was kind of my creative outlet in college I, I tried I swung and missed at doing the film certificate because um, I had some snafus with my thesis film but um, I took a ton of art classes at Princeton actually I did sculpture I did a theater class like you know that was a cool cool part of the Princeton community too was um, sort of being able to put the sports community in you know away for a minute and like hang out in yep. class and outside of class with totally different people who I would have otherwise never crossed paths with. I think that's that that's a an, see I've started I teach at Virginia Commonwealth and I've started a program here it's basically that the umbrella is kind of a creative practices which everybody can take but the classes that I've started are called art and athletics. So I have a bunch of student athletes that take the classes. And it's, it is the beautiful part, like you were just saying, where the student athletes get to hang out with the, the artists. Not that they're different people, but, you know, like everybody gets kind of in their little cliques. And the artists get to hang out with the student athletes. And this dialogue that happens to me is just so rewarding to me, like I just, as, mm -hmm. as the teacher, but I know that it's rewarding for them because they, I still have, have relationships with students that have taken this class three years ago, you know, that have graduated and gone on to do great things. And they'll still text me every once in a while. Hey, I'm still painting or Hey, I'm, and that to me means something. It's like, it actually, you know, it, it's stuck and, and they yeah. realize that they are creative people and, and athletic people and, and they're, there's, we're not that different. And, you know, so it is like, it's kind of knocking down those, those walls, those stereotypical walls that we, you know, that society puts up for us, whether it's, you know, like, again, like the artists and athletes on different sides of the room. And, and I think it's, you know, like, so you speak the language that we talk in. So that class sounds awesome. It's, yeah. I, love it. I mean, it's totally the, you know, I'm, I'm not obviously biased in my opinion, but I mean, it, for me, it's like, it really touches things that I think people are sometimes scared to talk about. Um, you know, it's like, you know, these macho athletes, you know, that just, they don't want to admit that they're creative or something. And, you know, and it's just like, no, oh, you're creative, man. Like just do it. And, and, you know, I just, I just had a former student that played, did she play field hockey? I'm trying to remember. I think she might have played lacrosse, but she she actually changed her major because of this class and is now oh. doing like design stuff and is in graduate school in Indianapolis. And it's like to me it's like that's awesome. And she like yeah. reached out to me the other day and you know, it's again like she graduated like a couple of years ago and it's just like it's cool to me that you know like it actually does mean something to people and that they take it seriously. And, and, and again, it's like, it, it, it doesn't mean, like you said, like when you were in, in at Princeton, you weren't really taking 
the the creative stuff super seriously. It was just for fun or something. But it's like it's still important. It doesn't mean that you're going to be a professional artist, whatever that means. But to do that daily exercise is what we're trying to preach to people. It's like, you know, we always talk about exercising the body, but we don't talk about exercising the mind. And it's like, just pick up a pen and doodle for 20 minutes a day and see how it changes your mental health. I mean, good God, like right now, I mean, (laughs) the anxiety and stress that is happening in the world, you know, I, I think everybody needs it more than ever. So, yeah. And I think yeah. Darcy and I both find a lot of solace in, in music, even if it's just like learning covers on our own um, or sharing songs with one another. Like it's definitely something that we've bonded over, you know, since I've, we've met each other, but also I think since the pandemic um, as well. Yeah. What did, what did your guys' degrees in? Like what I, I, th- I tried to find, I think I saw your. So my bachelor's is in anthropology and my okay. master's is in public administration for finance. Okay. I majored undergrad in politics, but my undergrad education was very, very liberal artsy. I took classes basically over every subject you could at Princeton. Um, And now I'm getting my MBA. So I'm in business school. Okay. And you're at NYU, right? Yeah. We both are. Oh, okay. I didn't know you were. Okay. Now I, it's, I just, to me, it's such a beautiful kind of transition from from being like high level college athletes you know i mean princeton i mean geez you know maybe you won a national championship like you know you can't get any higher in a sport than that um and like then the transition into still going to school but having this really like amazing band um Again, like the unfortunate part is it sounds like you guys were actually on the rise when this stuff started happening with the pandemic that everything kind of got put on hold. But like to be able to do that um, and to still continue your education, like I, I, I just think that it's, it's kind of it's an inspiring um, story, I think, for I mean, for younger adults to like see that, you know, and and to be able to like oh, I can do both of these things. And again, it doesn't mean that I have to be a student athlete. I can still play sports and and go to school. I can still do creative things and go to school that don't have to be embedded within the academic stru- structure, I guess. Yeah. I think for me, a huge part of the band was almost like filling the void that I didn't have in my life anymore because I was now a retired soccer player so i'm just an extremely driven type a type of person and you know for basically since i was seven years old soccer had been kind of like my number one goal and driver um what did that what was that like because i ask we work with a lot of professional athletes or retired professional athletes and and i remember my experience when my baseball playing days were over it's, I mean, like you're, you're speaking my language. It's like that baseball, well, sports in general was my life. And when it's over, it's like, it's kind of a shock to the system. For me, um, this might, this, I think a lot of people experience it differently, but for me, it was almost a relief. Really? Um, yeah. I think that 
I loved soccer and it was obviously a huge part of my life, but it was just, it was the number one thing for so long and playing college level sports is quite a stressful experience, especially as a goalie, got a lot of pressure on you all the time, Um, pressure to perform, pressure to be a good teammate, all the things like I wouldn't trade it for the world. I absolutely loved being a college athlete. But when it was finally over, I was certainly sad in many ways. And I missed being out there and training with my team and playing games and competition. But it also was just kind of like almost a weight lifted off my shoulders that I just all of a sudden like had all this new time that I had to like and basically bandwidth bandwidth for my drive. So and I needed something new. And that's kind of then where bands came in and it was all of a sudden like this new very different and exciting project to be able to like sink my teeth into and because I'm the type of person that just like doesn't do anything halfway all of a sudden like a chill jam session that was very much a hobby (laughs) turned into a real band that was you know playing sold out shows and you were like that was awesome for me you were a, a serious soccer player like didn't you play in some of the olympic development stuff I mean like that's yeah, so I'm like all growing up, I played in Olympic development. I never quite broke into the top national team, which is a really, really hard thing to do in soccer because there are so many players. But yep. I played on the regional, I represented the regional teams. I traveled um, to Europe a couple of times to play in international tournaments. Um, I played on an extremely um, competitive club team out of the Chicago area. So yeah, it was it was an intense soccer experience. Yeah, no kidding. She's so the, what, go, go ahead. Um, I was going to say too. So like when we started playing, I had been in New York for a year. Darcy's a year younger than me. And um, our mutual friend, uh, Gabby, who was the teammate of Darcy's said, you know, I heard that you're you know, playing some music with some guys. Did you know that Darcy plays viola? You should invite her over to, to jam with you. And, you know, I knew Darcy from college, but we weren't, I think by no means really close. Um, and she came and really sort of, like you could see as soon as she started playing with us, everybody was kind of look at each other like, okay, this could like, be a holy thing. Shit. <laughs> like this is, this is the missing piece. You know, we were just kind of, like you said, like hanging around playing covers, jamming. And then it sort of like kicked up a notch where we're like, this is unique, especially having a viola, I think is something that is like definitely unique to our band. Um, and it just like really fit together. And we, were a lot younger then and had a lot more free time. So we were able to really dedicate a lot of time and late nights to, you know, rehearsing, writing. Um, and it was sort of just like the perfect um, mix of like drive and excitement to have this new creative outlet um, that we, I think we're, we're all missing in, in one way or another. Um, you know, some other guys in our, in our band went to film school or still work in the arts. And it's just something that, um, you know, worked out really well in terms of personalities and, and skill sets. Yeah. And it's yeah. a six piece, correct? The band? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Is there a cello in that? Is that a cello behind you? Oh, that's an upright bass. Okay. I, could, <laughs> I couldn't see. Yeah. Because cello might be my favorite instrument. Actually. Yeah. It's everyone's favorite instrument. I'm telling you. I, it, I, I was in Paris for like four months a bunch of years ago at an artist residency. And ironically the guy that lived upstairs for me lived only an hour away from me in Virginia. He lives in Charlottesville and I was in, I'm in Richmond 
and he's a cello player. And it was like every day I would just sit there and, and make art listening to him play cello. And just like, this is like the great, I'm in Paris. There's a guy play, <laughs> play, playing cello. I'm drinking wine and making paintings. Like this is like, I'm never leaving. So you I, should, um, <laughs> you should listen to the band crooked still. They're oh, yeah, no yeah. longer active. Oh, you yeah. know them yeah. that they have the best cello yeah. in a band. Ever. I'm a big, I mean, I, I'm sure a lot of people <laughs> like the Cronus quartet as well. Um, they they just you know like they just had some weird weirdness to their music that I always loved. So I'm I'm more of a rock guy, but but I listen to all kinds of music. Um, like one of my favorite musician or bands was what is the name of that band? Oh shit, I'm gonna forget the name of this band. They're not they no longer play together because there was some sort of falling out. I was just talking to one of my students about this band the other day. Oh, the Civil Wars. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, I love the story. Williams. I yeah, I just I thought that the way that those two sang together, and mm-hmm. and I was just I was really kind of bummed out that they just couldn't work out yeah. whatever their, thing, you know. But that's band bands are tough. I mean, I you know like I miss being in a band, but I I also don't miss being in a band. <clears throat> um, I was once in a band with two brothers that was the rhythm section. And, you know, every once in a while practice, there'd be drumsticks flying across the room yeah. and stuff. And We've had those moments. I'm sure. I mean, it's tough. And Ron, we're going to blow your mind. Maybe you don't know this. So I am engaged to our bass player and Darcy has been dating our drummer for <laughs> four years. <laughs> That's perfect. That's perfect. So we know all about, uh, yeah. you know, so a lot dynamics. Of dynamics. The band dynamics. <laughs> yeah, the bandemics. Yeah, there you go. That's a good band name, actually. So, no, I mean, it is like, it's tough, but it's, it's in some ways it's like sports and, you know, like there's that, that to me, there's, there's, there's so much overlap in regards to music or, or art or creativity and athletics and how, like, you know, just the, the dynamics of how everything kind of works. So that's again, like another reason why Chris, my business partner and I started this business is, you know, we were both high level you know, athletes growing up, but we're both creatives and have been kind of our whole whole lives. But, you know, like we were kind of squashed down when we were playing sports. Like, you can't do that. And that still happens. Which is Babe, you know I love you, but I must confess I'm getting sick and tired. Quick break. Make sure to check out Darcy and Christina on Instagram. Darcy can be found at Darcy Hargaden 29. That's D A R C Y. H-A-R-G-A-D-O-N-2-9. And Christina can be found at C-M-A-I-D-A. C-M-A-I-D-A. And make sure to check out their band Common Ground's new album, Wayward, on iTunes. Highly recommend it. Also, do not forget to listen to our new podcast on the Abstract Athlete Network, The Abstract Doctors with Dr. G and Dr. C. Follow us at theabstractdoctors.com and on social media under The Abstract Doctors. And One Man's Ethos, the Tony Mandridge podcast, which you can follow on Instagram at One Man's Ethos, or you can find us at onemansethos.com. You can also follow Tony on Instagram at Tony Mandridge, or check out his amazing photographs at tonymandridge.com. Now, back to Darcy and Christina. I'm walking on eggshells. I know that you've been hurt, but we all have our scars. This doesn't have to be but it can be um it doesn't have to be athletes but it can be like who are like some of the people that inspired you 
um, and, and continue to inspire you. Maybe like, maybe it is musicians. <laughs> and dead silence. I got you. Man. It's, it's like when someone asks you your favorite band, you're like, I know where do I even begin? Um, at least sports wise growing up, um, I actually played on a club team that was owned by um, this woman named Tina Reinprecht, who's like a pillar of the field hockey community. And she has three daughters, all of whom played field hockey at Princeton, two of whom are Olympians. So I ended up sort of growing up watching them play. They were always in the A team. I was usually on the B team. Sometimes I would go up to the A team. Um, and they definitely inspired me and, you know, getting to know them as my classmates, especially in college. Um, alongside some of my other um, teammates who also went to the Olympics was really inspiring. And, you know, just, I had a ton of friends in the field hockey community who were just really, really smart, first and foremost, you know, scholars first. Um, and it's just like, you know, was inspiring to be around a bunch of really talented, smart, athletic women, sort of my whole life. I feel really lucky to have those influences. Um, but music wise, I, you know, run the gamut. I have always loved like, Adele, Amy Winehouse, those sort of like female vocalists. Um, those are top. But also, notch. but also I mean, now like groups like Lil and Bello, which Darcy introduced me to. Rustin Kelly is one of my favorite songwriters. Um, it really kind of runs the gamut. And Phoebe Bridgers is someone I'm really into right now as well as the Beths, who are a band from New Zealand. Wh- who's it? The Beths. I don't know if I know who that is. Give hmm. them a listen, especially yeah. if you like rock. Yeah. No, I will. Now, I. I Amy Winehouse has always been just, it's such a bummer to me that she couldn't get rid of her demons because my mm-hmm. God, can she sing? And so yeah. can Adele, like, Adele, like you choose, see, that's the thing. Like you're a singer like me. And so when, every time I listen to a band, like that's what I go to, like, you know, mm-hmm. like Chris Cornell to me, I don't know if Soundgarden uh, is mm-hmm. just like, and you know, he unfortunately yep. died too young and, and so, like, I'm always drawn to to just voice, and my dog as my dog whines in the background. <laughs> um, so I, you know, I, I, but I, man, I'm I'm Amy Winehouse is just one of those people that's just like, oh God, why did that have to happen mm-hmm. so so young? But Darcy, what about you? Oh God, I have I have a ton of inspirations i mean i know this is kind of a cliche answer but my parents i think inspired me a lot growing up i mean if you know my parents and you know me you know that i am their offspring i'm kind of like a legitimate perfect mix of both of them (laughs) but they they always just really kind of by leading example inspired me to like do my best at everything I was doing, but then also just be unapologetically me. So I think that was always kind of like my guiding light growing up. Um, and then play, obviously did they play they, sports. I mean, you said your dad played guitar. Oh, my, so my mom is the least athletic person ever. Um, <laughs> and also honestly, not very musically talented either, but even though she isn't musically talented, my mom is extremely creative. Right. So I think that's where I got 
like some of those genes from. Um, my dad, on the other hand, he was a decent athlete growing up. He was a, quite a good tennis player and he got really into like racquetball and stuff like that. But he's also an insanely good musician. And I think he was the person, whereas my mom gets equal credit for forcing me to practice violin when I was young. Um, my dad's kind of the person that with him, like I kind of really fell in love with music. Um, and like we, like a lot of my favorite musical artists who inspire me like the most today are people that like I would listen to CDs with in the car with my dad when I was seven. And like, I'm still listening to those albums yep. all the time today. Some of those people for me are um, this guy named Daryl Scott. He is a um, Nashville based yep. singer, songwriter, poet, like, incredible instrumentalist like i think he's um probably like my favorite of all time but um it's funny do you know jason isbell oh yeah so jason isbell has become like the darling of the americana yeah. uh world like you know npr can't say a bad thing about him i absolutely love him but it's funny my dad totally was into jason isbell before he was cool um like right like right when he came we out all were the, come on no, no no like my dad truly was like right when he was out of the truckers and i was in high school my dad had the biggest man crush on jason isbell and we would relentlessly make fun of him for it and then when i was in college i finally like i always had heard his music but it was right when southeastern came out and i started listening to him like more seriously on my own and i had to just say dad you are totally right. <laughs> Jason Isbell is the best. Um, and then that's about the time when he like really broke into the mainstream. I'm going to give you a guy that he's unfortunately been dead for a long time. He died from lung cancer a long time ago, but kind of rootsy, bluesy, grungy alternative. His name is Chris Whitley. Okay. That you should listen to that. I He's, you know, made it. We're talking about singers like, but he's also a guitarist or was and just one of those guys that kind of you're talking about how your dad like jumps onto this and just really gravitates towards something it's he was that one for me like just makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up every time I hear his voice just oh you know gives me chills Brandy Carlisle is another one whose voice oh, you yeah. hear and you're just like immediately like you said like the hair on your arms goes up yep. um, and there's actually an artist that Darcy and I've been listening to and I've seen um, last year or two, uh, Katie Pruitt, who's kind of up and coming in Nashville, who sort of has a similar sound to her in terms of the voice and just an incredible songwriter. Like those are some of the, you know, other singer songwriter females who inspire me. Is, is there a, um, is there a want to move to Nashville ever for the music? <laughs> I was trying to move to Nashville for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there you go. No, I mean, cause it is, it is such an incredible music city like i mean it's you know it's not just i mean it used to be kind of really more the country end of stuff but it's it's kind of everything now i mean it's it's really truly um i mean it still has more of the roots i guess in it but it's 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 an incredible city in general i think and uh, i mean is there i mean any any <laughs> so looking, I, actually, like, ah. I actually lived in nashville um okay. for a summer during college because i did an internship at a small bluegrass uh record label um called compass records which was an awesome awesome experience and i loved living there so honestly every ever since i moved to new york i always had moving to nashville in the back of my mind <laughs> yeah. and i was exploring it through a different 
couple of different avenues. I ended up deciding to go to business school here, but I still might move there in the future. I'm looking at potential career opportunities in the music yeah. business space. So what's, what's kind of the, the, I mean, I know again, like this is a post pandemic um, question, I guess in some ways, but what's, what's the goal of the band future? Is there one? Is it, um, I mean, there obviously probably is, but like wanting to record another album, wanting to tour. I mean, again, like these are post pandemic questions in some ways, but wanting to jump on a tour with like your favorite band of all time. I mean, (laughs) it's, it's up in the air. Um, The pandemic has obviously put a huge halt right before the pandemic. We were planning on starting to record a new EP Um, that obviously got put on hold and everything got put on hold. I think it's tough for us because despite the fact that the band grew into something none of us ever thought it would, we're all, all six of us are working professionals with our own careers and our own families and goals and trajectories in life. And it's really hard. Like six people is a lot of paths to get on one path. So I think honestly, the, a little bit of a break has probably done us good in terms of the pandemic, just getting a little time and space to recharge creatively. I think what happens from here, we're just going to have to see. And if something new or something, you know, naturally evolves, then it will. And Darcy and I have sometimes joked about starting a, a, a duo called the keepers since we were both goalkeepers. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, so we might explore that. Who knows? You know, it's easier to, it's easier to navigate two schedules than it is six. Um, yeah. But another thing too, like I said, we were all six years younger when we started the band and yeah. we didn't mind doing 10 to midnight rehearsals twice a week. And now we're like almost 30 and we're like, Oh shit, that it takes a toll, you know? Yeah. I, 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 Yes, I'm 20 years older than you. I know the toll of it. Yes. I mean, it is like it's being in a band, like like I said earlier, it's it's a hard thing. It, I mean, it just is. And but it's still I mean, it's so rewarding. It's like but the reward is the show, you know. Right. And so like right now it's like, shit, you know, what am I doing and with this? And so I, I, I'm it's it's like I've said to, you know, my student athletes that lost their seasons in spring. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine. I mean, I got redshirted when I played baseball, which is basically losing a season. And yeah. so I never played and that sucks, but it's still, I got the experience and, but it's just like, it just gotta be hard. Like, you know, and I'm looking around at my, my musician friends and I talked to a lot of them here and back in Columbus where I'm from. And just that, that want to go do that thing because man, like there is nothing and I try to tell this to people, there's nothing like being on stage. Just, there's just nothing like it. And, yeah. you know, we once opened up for the Misfits and Megadeth in a show. There was like 10,000 people and you walk yeah. out and it's just like, holy shit. Like there's a lot of people here. And even yeah. if like you, you know, like you were talking about having like a stage fright, even if you're past that point, wow, that energy level goes up to like, 10 or 11, you know, yeah. um, and, and how you absorb that, but not to be able to do any of that stuff right now is just, I, I, it just, you know, I'm, it's lame to say it sucks, but it just sucks. <laughs> In yeah. a lot of ways we're, we're, we're lucky that we sort of didn't take it to the next level because we all still have our jobs and yeah. we 
are able to, you know, pay our rent and stuff. But we do have friends who are full-time musicians and, you know, a lot of bands that we really admire who, you know, try to buy their merch or, you know, donate to whatever cause. It's it's definitely tough, a tough time to be a full-time musician. So yep. in a way, I'm kind of glad we're not. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, we always have, like, I guess that was kind of a, the goofy question, the your inspirations and stuff. But we always, like, when we wrap, we, and just the royal we, I guess. Um, I always speak for my business partner who's never on the podcast. But um, I always like to ask, like, what, you know, like, what are you, some of your favorite cities? Maybe, you know, maybe it is New York. Um, and then we always like the food recommendations. So... <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, and it doesn't have to be a certain restaurant, just like what, what, you know, what do you like? Kind of just like the offshoot stuff that, you know, favorite city, favorite food. Man, again, with the favorites. I I know we are deep. We go. So, (laughs) Darcy, you've probably been to more cities than I have. Uh, one of my favorite cities. Um, Are you from Chicago, by the way, or just right outside of Chicago? Yes, uh, uh, right outside. But Chicago is like mm, one of my top cities. I love Chicago. Love. I it. love Chicago a lot. Um, it's great, but it's also weird because I feel like I I grew up in this suburb called Oak Park, which is like yeah. literally right outside. Um, but. I still, I love Chicago, but I don't feel like I know the city like I know New York because I've never lived there as an adult, really. Right. Um, but yeah, I would say it's weird because I never expected to live in New York and now I've been here for five years and going to be here for two more years. I'm trying to get out eventually. We'll see if I'm successful because this city tends to suck you in is what <laughs> I've uh, figured out. But there are things that... I absolutely love about New York. And then there are still things that I hate about it. But um, food wise, nothing beats the Italian food here. Truth. (laughs) I mean, the pizza and all the Italian restaurants. (laughs) Like if you want the best Italian food, you come to New York, Chicago, Mexican and Thai. (laughs) I actually once drove to Chicago from Columbus, which is like six hours when I was. By the way, I love Columbus. it's It's a pretty it's an underrated city. It's totally underrated. Yep. But we drove there one night at about midnight. We left just to get pizza, deep dish pizza. <laughs> so we got to we got to Chicago at like six in the morning and had to wait <laughs> to get pizza. Yeah. I do love deep dish pizza. Yeah. Lou Malnati's is probably my favorite in Chicago. I don't remember if I know that one or not. I I was in Chicago accidentally when the after the Cubs won the World Series and they had the parade which yeah. is just hysterical. Was that, was that's that, my, that's your team? That's my fiance in his underwear. Sorry about that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see that. Um, so was, it's fine. Yeah. Um, I would say, I mean, New York, I came here when I was young and I was like, I love the city and I need to live here. And I do. Um, but I, I'll go something else. Cause Darcy took New York. Uh, we went to, uh, Japan last November together, Darcy and I and some friends. Um, and Osaka was incredible. Just the food there, the scene, the, you know, at the bars, the little, um, you know, hole in the walls where it's the six seats and you just get like the best food. Um, that was probably the most memorable city I've ever been to. Um, in terms of food, I love to cook. Darcy and I cook together a lot, actually. Yeah. Um, 
and man, what's so you guys do tons of creative stuff. You're going to yeah, start a cooking do. show. A we duo. cook a lot together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I think probably like every other weekend or every other third weekend, Darcy and I are cooking together. It seems, cool. um, which is awesome. I, I think my favorite thing to cook is probably, oh man, I we've done the, the handmade pasta and the, like ravioli and things. Those are just like these really sort of intricate, delicate processes that are sort of therapeutic in a way if you, and like meditative, if you're doing them on your own, just, you know, sometimes I put headphones in, sometimes I don't and right. kind of just roll with it. But that's, I mean, I, again, it goes back to that, how, how beneficial doing something creative is. You just kind of disappear. It's like, you know, they, they always talk about the runner's high. It's like, well, in, in creativity, it's the flow. You, it's that same space that you get into. Then all of a sudden, two hours later, it's like, oh, wow, that was good. That, like, that worked out really well. So, I mean, it's, it's again, like, I, I think you guys are like so inspiring in so many ways because in, in a lot of ways you reached you know, this pinnacle of playing high level college athletics. Now you're doing like bands at a high level. Um, you're, you're cooking, like you're, I mean, you're doing things. I mean, again, like I think it is, it's inspiring for people to hear that. And again, it doesn't mean that, that you have to do it like to your level of, of the musician thing. It's like, just sit down and write something on garage band for God's sakes, just to like mm -hmm. put stuff out in the world. I just, the more yeah. creative we are as a society, I think we would be better as humans, which is even if no one hears it, you know, it's, it's, exactly. it's sometimes it's just for you it's and therapy. that's, yep. Yeah. So, um, well, is there anything that I didn't ask you that like you want to <laughs> tell um, me? That... I mean, we could, we could talk about the record a little bit. Absolutely. And recording talk it. Cause that yep. was, where did you guys endeavor. record it? Uh, we recorded at uh, this place called Rift Studios in Williamsburg with okay. uh, a gentleman named Tom Gardner, who's absolutely incredible. He was nominated for a Grammy last year, I think. He's been nominated uh, for, for two Grammys. He worked wow. on. Two Grammys, okay. Yeah, he's the, he's the best. Um, and Who are our, the Grammys? Who are the nominations with? What was the name? Chromio. Chromio, oh, okay. yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, it was like a lot of like full weekends, 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. Yep. Um, and it was my first time in a professional recording studio. When I was in high school, I, you know, we did GarageBand. We self-recorded an EP and it sounded like crap, <laughs> but it, you know, it was our little baby. And this time, you know, it was a whole other ball game. Um, and it was a lot of fun and like a totally different way to sort of dissect all of our songs because you're recording them in pieces and hearing certain parts on loop. It's, it's really, really different. Now, I, I, that's like, again, you know, you talk about missing things. Like that's one of the things I really truly miss is going to an actual studio. Like, I think I, didn't I send you one of the songs I just kind of messed around with? I thought maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. I'll send it to you at some point in time, but it's something that I did because I don't play any instruments to any serious note. I can fiddle around on guitar. So for me, GarageBand, even though I hate it, it's a great tool for me. So then I can give it to my musician friends and go, Hey, mm -hmm. would you want to play guitar on this? Hey, would you want, you know, whatever. Um, but I, I do, I miss, I, I totally miss just that atmosphere and being in a studio at three o'clock in the morning, listening <laughs> back to tracks. It's just like, Oh, there's just something beautiful about that. Yeah. I absolutely loved being in the studio because I think 
part of the strength that I bring to the band is more of like a producer's eye. Like everyone else in the band is an extremely talented writer, Christina, especially she's off the chain, but I writing is not my natural talent. Um, I have pushed myself to do it a little bit, but I know at the end of the day, like I'm never going to be a famous songwriter on like Christina. Um, yeah. But I think what, what I was really, what I'm good at and able to bring to the band is kind of like that production eye almost in terms of just taking the raw songs that other band members had written and like really f helping to figure out how it was going to work for our band in terms of arrangements and um, you know like instrumentation and like where there's going to be harmonies where there's not going to be harmonies like bringing all the pieces together to make something that just like works as a collective whole so I loved being in the studio and picking apart every single thing that we did. And like, I was extremely nitpicky to the extreme, but I think <laughs> it was really fun to like it's, see everything come together. That stuff's needed though. You know, like that's a lot of times where songs come together is in the studio and how they're picked apart and put back together. You know, I mean, it's true. Yeah. And a lot of times it's nice to have somebody in the band like you that actually can do that. But a lot of times you need <clears throat> that, that external ear that, that is like, now that's not working where everybody in the band thinks like that's the greatest thing that's ever happened. <clears throat> I mean, yeah. that's, you know, and with, and with six of us, we would sometimes have Tom, our producer, yep. um, like be the swing vote. Right. Because we're too close to it. Yep. Um, what was also cool about our record is that I think every, every single person in the band, so six of us had a writing credit on at least one song and, almost all the songs had more than one writer like we really collaborated on every single piece of that album it, it wasn't yeah um like as much compliment as Darcy can give me like every song that I wrote people helped me write and like it, they wouldn't be the same without you know Eugene's every guitar part person. or yeah like it all just really came together collaboratively and it was a real group effort um and we all like really cared about the final product it, it, to the point where we were like okay this isn't just a hobby at this point we are wanting to make this something that stands on its own for the rest of time regardless of where the band goes yeah yeah now i i mean and see that's like a really cool way to say it it's like it's out there you know you that that's a success right there to me yeah like you did it and you know i still think about you know, when I put our album out, you know, it's been 20 years at this point, God, more than 20 years. How long? Jesus. It's like 25 <laughs> years. But, you know, and it's just like I've been able to, like, do things that, you know, you you said something like I never thought I would have done something like that. And it's like I, I think back, it's, it's like, man, I sang in front of 10,000 people at this one show. We played at this club where Blondie started and, and the Talking Heads. Like, yeah. I, I don't know if you ever feel that. Like, you know, probably – at Mercury Lounge, you probably like are on stage, like thinking, holy shit, like the people that have been on this stage. Like I always think about stuff like that. It's like the, the history of, of the musicians that have been on this stage is just overwhelming. Like I actually broke Marilyn Manson's mic stand, that he, <laughs> which I always think is a, I mean, it's, it's just because he left it at a, at a place we played at. And that was like thrashing around and I broke it and, you know, it's like, oops, but it's just like, it's a funny story, you know? And like those kind of things you can't take away. And like you said, your, yeah. your album is out there and 
I, I like I said, I mean, I don't want to over compliment you, but I just it immediately the hooks on on your songs are like really dynamite. Like I, I have the melody line. I woke up half drunk again. See, I even have the, I think I actually had the pitch, right? But, yeah, you, you know, <laughs> um, but I mean, like, I think like you guys are really, you know, really good songwriters. And I think that's not a, an easy skill. You know, people can write riffs and, and, different things, but to have the songwriting component and, and the yeah. melody lines and stuff, it's not, it's a, it's a complete talent. And, um, and I, you know, I just, I, it's one of those albums that I, I actually listen to a lot. And, and so. Thank you. That's really nice to hear. I appreciate that. <laughs> appreciate that. So, um, well, we can wrap up. Like I, I you know, like, unless there's anything i mean it's kind of fun to hear the stories of the studio because for me it's just kind of close to the heart of just thinking about stuff like that um but i do like i really do appreciate you guys jumping on because uh when Kristen got us in touch it was just like wow this you know these you guys are like perfect people into what we're trying to inspire is is just being having that creative element and having that athletic element and really pushing both of them forward and, and, and showing the importance of both. And I think you guys like, you know, you're, you've done, done the athletic thing on such a high level and you're doing the, the creative and I'm going to have to come up to New York for some of your cooking, but, (laughs) (laughs) um, but you're doing the, the creative thing at such a high level as well and should be commended for it. So. And you should be commended for what you're doing. I think this podcast and the whole project is really cool. Um, you know, I've followed a few of the artists that you tag on Instagram. They're, they're painting their sculptures. It's all really cool to see, especially, you know, professional athletes or yeah. hard professional athletes who, you know, really it was their whole life, yeah. their, their sport, um, have a creative outlet. And I think it's, it's really important that young athletes especially see that you don't necessarily have to choose between being an athlete and being an artist um, because you can obviously as Darcy and I are testament and a lot of your other folks you've talked to, um, you can do both. Yep. Well, I'm going to be interviewing at some point in time in the future, a former student of mine that was, I think the athletic 10 field hockey player of the year. And now she's gone into somewhat creative world where she's like a sports caster and, you know um, and she's just doing, awesome and she's she's a great painter dude. like so i always we still text each other every once and i always give her a little shit and then darcy do you remember jay demerit who played on yep the, so we work with, absolutely we work with jay demerit um and he's just awesome and he does so many yeah. good things in the world but here's a guy like and he's from chicago right he's from that area or maybe no Is milwaukee he? i think he's from milwaukee i take that back um, yeah i think he's from wisconsin um and, but he's like, he's a designer and, but yet he played, I mean, God, he played in the premier league. He played at the pinnacle yeah, of soccer huge. world. And so like, it's the more people you know, we are always about, we're stronger together. So like the more people that we get in the fold of just doing this stuff, we, you know, the better. And we're actually in the process that would be cool. Think about this in the future. Keep your fingers crossed, but we're, we're buying 20 acres of property in Montana no way where we were just there we love montana oh i that's why we're doing it um it's right outside of a town called red lodge um which is south of billings 
So if there's like nice. a road straight down. It's like between Billings and Yellowstone, basically. Mm-hmm. And the goal is like, you know, to have like an artist athlete residency. But Chris and I are both music, like heavy people. We want to have a place where we can do like bring a band out and record. We'll yeah, you know, um, <laughs> no, I'm serious. Like that's, or just come out and have like a writing absolutely. workshop. Absolutely. Something like that. Yeah. Would be so so cool. I mean, we have no, we have no oh, buildings yeah. on the land, but we're supposed to close next week. And it was that's like, so exciting. I've, I've driven out to, he lives in Colorado, my business partner. And I've driven out there three times in the last like two and a half months to go up to Montana to look at property. And we finally found something and we're just like, wow, let's do this, man. Let's just do this. And so we're pretty excited because we do think it's like, you know, it would be like really cool to like have you guys come out and do something. And the the land is very amphitheater like. And so it's like, we have all these, you know, crazy ideas. That's really cool. um, That's awesome. Just things to like, that, you know, we'll obviously stay in touch with you guys, because again, I think what you're doing is like super inspiring and, um, and, you know, just keep like loving to promote what you guys are doing. So, um, all right. Well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> that thank was you. a weird ending on my part, but <laughs> no, I, I really do. I appreciate what you guys are doing and appreciate you guys coming on and, um, look forward yeah. to actually playing your music on the next, on the, this podcast too. Nice. So, um, um, if you need anything from us, like photos from when we were athletes or pictures of us playing music together, I don't know like how you do your social, but yeah, yeah that, that would be cool. Be. That would be great just to send it. Cause I'll, I usually I use just photos from here. Like I'll just snap, snap. Please, it. please don't do that. Ah, <laughs> it's supposed to be just like the live podcast, you know, yeah. the live and, um, but I'll do that. But yeah, just I'll d- absolutely send that stuff. Cause, sure. um, it, this will probably release it in a, couple weeks to a month at this point we're we're releasing like one a week at this point uh-huh. but we're also i'm like producing like two other podcasts um one by a p- former professional football player and then we have one that's called the abstract doctors actually that Kristen was just on that one oh, um a couple cool. but it's, it hasn't been released yet but um so we're pretty busy um i've been getting some really cool um people are actually contacting me to be on the podcast, which I think is a great sign. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so we're just, it'll probably be like a couple weeks, but I'll, I'll send you, um, an email and, um, and, but yeah, just send me an email, um, with, with some images would be really cool and I'll definitely promote it. So, Okay. Well, guys, thank you. Thank you. This was really great. Nice to meet yeah. you over Zoom. Yeah. If you're ever in, yeah. in New York, shoot us a note. I, I will. I'll it, see you in Montana. I, I, <laughs> no, that, and that's not a joke, like guys. I mean, like that's when, you know, when we started doing this, you know, Chris and I definitely, was, the music component is there. And I was like, we could always invite these guys out too. And he's like, oh, hell yeah. So yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and listen to Chris Whitley. Remember that. Oh yeah, well, definitely check him out. Cool. All right, um, we'll stay in touch. I'll stay in touch and um, have an awesome day. We have a beautiful day in Richmond, Virginia. So. Yeah, we did see here in New York. So, cool. All right, well, guys. Be well. Thank Thanks, you. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye. Have a good weekend. Thank you. big thanks to Darcy and Christina for jumping on the podcast today and and thanks again to their band Common Ground for providing music for today's episode really great to hear their stories about their 
past successes and you know on 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 the field and, and off the field in their band and you know really looking forward to see how the band does again remember to check out them on instagram darcy's at darcy hargadon that's d-a-r-c-y-h-a-r-g-a-d-o-n-2-9 and christina maida at c maida c-m-a-i-d-a do not forget to listen to our new podcast on the Abstract Athlete Network, The Abstract Doctors with Dr. G and Dr. C. Follow us at theabstractdoctors.com and social media under The Abstract Doctors. And One Man's Ethos, the Tony Mandarich podcast. And you can follow us at One Man's Ethos on all of the social media and check us out at onemansethos.com. You can also follow Tony on Instagram at Tony Mandrich or check out his amazing photographs at TonyMandrich.com. Thank you for listening to The Abstract Athlete Podcast. Stop by our website, theabstractathlete.com, and our social media outlets for future events, pop-up exhibits, podcasts, and information, including daily creative training journals and subscription boxes. See you next time when we welcome an absolutely incredible painter, a former Italian professional basketball player, and current rising Bellator MMA fighter, Simone Dion. Thanks as always, and do not forget to exercise the body, and do not forget to exercise the mind. Stay well out there.